What's up, guys? I'm Derek. I got Larry here with me. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about worship. So, obviously, we all know what worship is. However, there are like 20 different things that you can talk about specifically with it. And today we want to talk about and go carry all the way back to the beginning. So like Adam, Eve, Cain, Abel, right? Uh, and what I find interesting about this is that like we all have a worship story and we can look in the Bible and we find our worship story and we draw a lot of strength from that. However, I think that there's a lot of theology found within Cain and Abel and the story that is produced there uh, because you get into the Hebrews, I believe it's Hebrews 11 and four and the writer of Hebrews talks about it, but there is so much theology within Genesis chapter four that we really need to unpack about worship. And, you know, later on, we might do an entire series about worship because that's how much you could just break it down. But that being said, I gotta say, I'm really interested to see what we all, what you all have about you know, Cain and Abel, because I mean, I know the story of Cain and Abel, you know, um, it's a it's a pretty common story that we'll we'll talk about. But I'm interested to see how how we're going to relate this um, to worship. So I guess first thing, let's just real quick. Let's let's go over the story. All right. So Genesis chapter four, verses one through ten. I'm going to read out of the ESV quick. Now, Adam knew Eve, his wife, and when she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I've gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother, Abel. Now, Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain, a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, the, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. Yeah. So in there, like I said, there's so much to unpack from that. So like, first of all, like Cain, we could even talk about, did Eve have children before Cain? Because we all know that Adam and Eve probably knew each other in the biblical sense before that. So we could even talk about that. Or we keep going further and we get into their different occupations and talks about how Abel is a keeper of sheep. So he's a shepherd and we know how the, how the Lord feels about the shepherds. And then you have Cain, who is a worker of the ground and real quick, like I just kind of want to unpack their occupations. Right. So very common for there to be a shepherd at this time, you know, they're well, when you think of a shepherd, Larry, like you think about what, you know, do they have a home? Do they have a place to stay? Like what? Um, I, I mean, I guess 
I've heard all these Bible, I've heard so many Bible stories. My thing with shepherds is, you know, it goes back to like David or Abraham and that kind of thing that they, um, they kind of migrated a little, but they probably had a, an area that they stayed in. Um, they were semi-nomadic at least depending on the number of sheep they had. Yeah. Um, whereas a farmer probably was much more stationary. Um, Although, you know, again, this brings so many questions of, you know, okay, so Cain and Abel, one was more nomadic than the other, but no, was anybody around? Like, did it matter? Well, and that's kind of where verse three jumps in and says, in the course of time. Yeah. And there, like, we can all think about, like, in the course of time, like, is that the Sabbath day? Is that a time at the end of the year when they held a feast? You know, things like that. So obviously there's a lot to unpack with between their occupations and between what in the course of time means. Obviously it's referring to a time when they would bring a sacrifice, which brings up uh, connotations of like Melchizedek and all different kinds of things that you could talk about. But in the course of time, meaning they had a set time of sacrifice and worship to the Lord in some way. Now, Abel being a keeper of the sheep, honestly, my opinion is that, uh, and I, I saw this as, uh, or in a commentary when I was reading about this, it was really describing that nomad, nomadic sheep herders, they were able to more clearly think about God and keep their mind on God. You know, they were nomadic, they were watching the sheep, they weren't doing all this laborious work, whereas Cain, who is a farmer, it is laborious work, it is hard work, and there's very little time for them to actually, you know, spend time in thought and prayer with God. And um, then you go on and you read, well, there's a difference between their sacrifices. You know, Cain... He brings an offering of the fruit of the ground, which is fun. That's what he had, right? Well, then you read that Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And we all know like, there's, there's a stark difference in the law about bringing plants as sacrifice and bringing animals as sacrifice. Uh, definitely animals were seen as more uh, as more appealing to God, whereas the grain sacrifices and the wheat sacrifices were not as appealing to God, but could cover sin. So first of all, it says firstborn of his flock. And whereas it says Cain just brings an offering. No, it's, it's not like it's a sacrifice for him to bring this offering. Whereas Abel is bringing the firstborn, the, the one of his flock that was born first. He's giving, it's kind of like a tent. It's the first part of what he had. And it was God's and he knew that and God allowed him to keep the rest. Whereas Cain, it's done more in a way to justify himself. But let's read about what. You know, though, I, I always hear that. And I'm not saying that it's incorrect. I just, I can't help but feel that like, that whole thing about like Cain didn't bring the first fruit or whatever, it's it's kind of in the text, but it's kind of not. 
Yeah. Ne- I don't know. Just one. it's always bothered me about the story is that like we I've heard so many people infer so many absolutes about why Kane was rejected and Abel wasn't. Yeah, and that's and that's why like I said it was from a commentary. I don't oh, yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, no, I, and, and, I I know that. I'm just saying, like, I just for the listeners out there, be careful when you be careful where you go with things that aren't explicit. Um it, it's just one of those things, like if the word of God is as as important and as sacred and as holy as we say it is, it's okay to try to make sense of it. Like, I don't think God's going to punish us for being like, you know, I really think Cain was rejected for this. But at the same time, if you start making like absolutes and being like anybody who disagrees that Cain was rejected because it wasn't his first fruit and the best crops is obviously not living for God or something like that. Like, you just have to be really careful with where you take it. I, I know, totally aside, not at all on the subject, but... I think it's important to remember that as we get into some of this about, cause it's, this is one of the stories that this is more commonly, I think done with just because so little okay, is given yeah. to us. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, and I, I think that really the next verse, like if you put it in context or the next couple of verses, uh, give reason as to why God didn't accept it because in Hebrews 11 and four, Abel's sacrifice is described as more excellent and being accepted by God. And this makes Cain extremely angry. And he, to the point, like he's ready to murder his brother. So uh, that's some pretty uh, intense stuff. And for a family that knew what it was like to commune with God in the garden and walk with God in the garden, I can't imagine being rejected by that sort of character in your life. So Obviously, I can understand his angry thought toward it, but I think he, again, he's angry at the wrong thing. He should have been angry at himself, and it goes back to the garden. He was putting blame on someone else, whereas he start, should have been looking inward, and I believe God even tells him, why are you angry? Why is your face falling? If you do well, will you not be accepted? I think it's more about his attitude and what he was doing, not necessarily that his offering wasn't good enough, it was the spirit or the the uh, the attitude in which his offering may have been brought or his lifestyle. Yeah, uh, I think absolutely. that's what it was more about. Yeah, and, absolutely. But like, either way, like for killing his brother, he gets it spelled. He gets told, "Well, I'm giving, going to give you a mark," and you know you're going to work the ground, but it's not even like. Um, Adam, his his curse was that he would have to work to get fruit from the ground. Cain's problem was, okay, you got to work to get fruit from the ground, but it's not going going to give you any fruit. You're laboring in vain, basically. And Cain is like, oh, this is too hard. And God is like, fine, I'll set a mark on you that will protect you from people getting angry at you and killing you. Okay, um, and. Either way, they, he's a doomed to be a wanderer, a fugitive. He's an exile on the earth. Uh, and there are a lot of different terrible theologies built around that Mark of Cain that I will not go into because they don't deserve our time. But 
his descendants are enumerated and counted to the sixth generation uh, to the point where there's Tubal Cain who takes two wives. And he, Tubal Cain is the first recorded instance of a man taking two wives. Um, and Tubal Cain also had great workers. He had people that did brass. He had children that created all these different tents and different kinds of things. Like there, Tubal Cain had a, what we would revere in those times as a good life. But he kills a man, kills a man, and so it's just like a repeated, like almost a generational type thing. But either way, they gradually degenerate in morality, and this is where we get God sending the flood. But the seventh thing is really- those those families, right? Yeah, just really quick. Those families, that, I always am interested in them. Like, why? Not only why are they existed, but like. Who documented this? Well, I, th- I think like, like the- it, it's just it's one of those things that fascinates me, and I know that there never will be an answer for it because I, I mean, who's gonna tell us who documented something before the flood a bunch of generations of people before the flood? Which is right. where some people think God showed Moses the hinder part, meaning yeah, his past. Which- well, yeah, I, I you know, I know there's lots of theories. It's just like, what do we need to know it for? Like what, well, I think it's all is- those questions that like, when we get to heaven, like, I'm sure we'll figure, we'll just realize it or something, but like, Lord, what's up with uh, Genesis chapter five and four? four? Like, and well, even, even creation, like creation has a purpose, but like, think about it this way. Like, I feel like, Genesis one through five are there to give us an idea of how we got into our predicament because the seven things we need to know about Cain really apply to any of us. Yeah. And the first one is he worships in self-will. He's angry with God. He refuses to bring a sin offering. He murders his brother. He lies to God. He becomes a vagabond and the object of divine solitude. So he's alone He's away from God. He cannot reach God. Right? So, yeah. I mean, that that sounds like a lot of what uh, we fell into after the fall. Mankind had a massive gap between God and man. And the only way to get that rectified was through blood. Um, whereas Cain... What I find interesting is that his name also means a possession, a spear, which again gives us another probably clue into how he lived his life. He he viewed his possessions. He was always kind of at war, vindictive, and you know he's he's bringing this offering to justify himself, but he finds himself unjustified by his life. And I think that that is where God was trying to get us to. Uh, whereas Abel, his name means a breath or, you know, or vanity, a grassy place, a meadow. He's the second son of Adam. He's he's put to death by Cain and guided by the instruction of their father. The two brothers were trained in the duty of worshiping God because in it says in the course of time, which may have been on the Sabbath or at the end of the year, Cain offered the fruits of his field, but Abel 
offered the firstlings of his flock, which is fine, like I said, but something about Cain made his sacrifice more pleasing to God. And I think it has to do with the way he lived his life because our savior speaks of him as a righteous man in Matthew 23 and 35. The, the blood of sprinkling is said to speak better things than that of Abel in Hebrews 12 and 24. Like the blood of Jesus, which, is the reality of which the blood of the offering made by Abel was the only top, you know, the, the blood of Jesus is speaks better things than Abel's blood speak. Right. Um, so obviously Abel had a life that was pleasing to God, not just a sacrifice pleasing to God. And I think that's important. So we're talking about sacrifices. Where does worship fit in? Well, sacrifice in those times was worship. Mm -hmm. That's how you worshiped God. That's how you made atonement for sin. And uh, the five things we need to know about Abel, he's a shepherd, he's a righteous man, he's a martyr, he's a top and a shadow, but more importantly, he's a worshiper. We all know that they came to time and place to sacrifice, but more importantly, and what we're trying to get at today, Abel was a worshiper. You know, Cain's offense, some say, was a ritual one where his offering was not correctly made. But I believe it's more about his life. And I believe that when we are worshiping, I think that Larry will agree with this. When Jesus gives this parable or he gives this instruction, he says, do not be like the Pharisees, you know, for they like to be at the head of tables they like to uh pray loudly in the synagogues and in the temple Mm -hmm. for all to see yeah and and i think i think that's a big thing i think i think part of our question about some of this stuff with worship is that and i think this is a great way to show it is and maybe this is what you're getting at is that we think we say worship and we actually think praise yeah we're like worship and we're like, let's sing some happy songs and do a little dance. Like I love watching my kids. I mean, I have a three-year-old and a six-year-old. I love watching them worship, but here's the thing. Most of the time they would be dancing to our church songs or they'd be dancing to a blues clues or a Dora song exactly. just the same. Exactly. Okay. And, and yeah, you know what? They're singing the songs to God and they realize that they're singing them to God on some level, but like, a lot of that worship is just praise, which is fine. They're three and six. Like, I don't expect them to be like, you know, deeply spiritual or anything at that point. But like the the interesting thing is that we say worship and we think praise, but the Bible says so much about worship that is just, it's not that. You know, worship isn't singing a song. Worship goes so much deeper and worship can be a part of singing. It can be done through those things, but worship really is your life. Yeah. You know, like, you know, maybe it's, it's a, it's, it's an incorrect statement to call your music pastor, the worship leader. Maybe praise leader is more accurate. Because we use those words like they're synonyms. Right. 
Well, and, was- and I think the music pastor probably is, uh, or music leader is probably one of the people with the deepest worship life. Hopefully, I mean, yeah. <laughs> things are healthy, but you know, like I, I just, the difference between those things is so massive and, and, you know, just listening to what, what you've been presenting and, and bringing out it, you know, can enable are a great example of that, you know? Well, yeah. And I, I think that, and what I'm hinting at here is that Cain, when he offers his sacrifice, he's unhumbled. He, mm-hmm. he presents his sacrifice in the way that he lived his life. He was self-willed. He was concerned about himself. And that was really about it. He, he brought it as a duty, not necessarily as worship. And we can get into go into church as duty and not, you know, as not as getting together with the saints and worshiping the same God, we can get into all that, but I'm not going to, but Cain, when he brings a sacrifice, he's not humbled. His confidence was within himself. He trusted in himself. He was providing for himself. And he was like the Pharisee who glorified himself. You know, they, they walk around and all these great things and they do all these great things for people to see but Cain was not so much as justified before God. And those Pharisees were not justified before, before God either because yeah. of how they lived their life. They didn't worship because God is the creator of the universe. They didn't worship because God is king. They didn't worship because God gave them breath. They didn't worship because God is the source of all living things in the universe. They worship it, because that's what they do. And yeah, they worship because they're the they worship because there was a fast song and they worship because people saw them and thought that they were amazing, you know, like, you know, just looking, looking up these things, you know, I, when I think about worship, I think, you know, worship God and the beauty of his holiness. I think about, you know, Jesus saying, not my will, but thy will be done. And I think a big difference is that praise, praise is necessary. Praise is needed. Praise does a lot of good. But I think the biggest difference is that worship costs you something. Yes. You know, and I think, I think that's why people make assumptions about Cain's sacrifice not being his first fruits or whatever. You know, I think that's a big reason why they do it. Because the thing is, is if you're bringing your first fruits of your flock, you're bringing your best animals, right? Yeah. Now, I again, it's a little weird with Abel because who knows how many, I mean, how important is your best animal when there's nobody to sell it to except for your brothers and sisters. But that aside, it it still costs you something. You're still giving the best thing. Whereas I don't think there's really an analogy of vegetables that would meet that. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, even if you brought your best vegetables of your flock or or of your crop, it doesn't affect the value of your field of plants the same way that bringing your best sheep that's newborn affects your flock. Absolutely. Like it doesn't cost as much. I mean, not that it has no cost, but it doesn't cost as much. But I think the most, the biggest thing with this that you can see the biggest difference is that if Cain came 
to God. It doesn't matter what he brought. If he came to God and he brought, if he brought rotting vegetables because he thought it was fine and God was like, um, that's really not good. Like you need to bring better stuff. If he brought it with the right spirit, he would have been like, oh, I'm sorry, Lord. And brought some better stuff and God would have been fine with it. Well, yeah, and the, that get, that echoes back to the widow, the one mite that the widow gave. You know, all these people are dumping the money in this plate, but the widow gives a single penny, and she's done more because she gave out, gave out of her, she gave out of her need and not out of her abundance. Yeah, because I mean, it's not like first fruit defines like this perfect specimen, right? I mean. Yes, God told the nation of Israel with millions of people that they had to find one perfect specimen to sacrifice for their yearly sacrifice, right? right? Like he he told them to get the best animal they had, but I mean best is best is dependent upon your animals. Like yeah. if if your animals are junky then your best animal is not going to be that great and if your animals are like the best in the world then your best is going to be pretty great you know and 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 so it all comes down it all comes down to attitude you know it's i don't know what it is with shepherds in the bible and and them having that humble spirit because i mean i can't imagine that there's actually some like God like shepherd people who take care of sheep better than other people kind of thing, well, yeah. you know, I mean, but I mean, I mean, you, if you think about, think about it this way, Jesus, when he spoke of shepherds, it was always in the sense of leaving the, the compassion a shepherd shows for him for sheep. But also I think about when God says to the Samaritan woman at the well, you know, the day is coming and now is that you will not worship on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. The true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And that's where I think the attitude and the lifestyle come in, spirit and truth. That is massively important because, yes, God is a shepherd and there's constant echoes of that throughout the Bible. But spirit and truth implies that we have to give, first of all, everything. And Deuteronomy says that, and Jesus repeats it in Matthew. Spirit and truth. Give your whole body, your whole soul, your whole mind, everything you are. And I think that's what Cain's issue was. It wasn't that he was doing something ritually unacceptable. It was that he was giving probably a very good offering. Let's face it. He was probably given a pretty good offering, but he was not committing himself to God daily. He was not doing the will of God. And that's why God says sin lies at the door. It crouches at the door and that it's seeking to be contrary to seeking to, to wage war in you. If you don't rule over, if you don't, if you don't grab a hold of it and take control of that, right? Because yeah. obviously Cain was doing something so wrong that it led him to murder his brother. Like, 
I, at that point, you have been living a lifestyle so contrary to God's will that if someone's worship displeases you and you have the thought to kill them, you not only have an enemy with your brother, you have an enemy with God. And there's a couple of things that I could bring up. You know, the woman with the alabaster box, who is one of the first people that spoke up after she poured out that spikenard. Who was one of them? Who was the first person that spoke up? Oh, who was the first? Yeah, who was the first? I was like, who did she speak of? She didn't speak. Um, Judas spoke up and was like criticizing how much money it would have cost and, you know, showing his greedy self. Exactly. And I, I feel like as worshipers, as if we claim to be Christians, we find ourselves in Cain's position a lot. We may not go kill our brothers and sisters, but we definitely accuse the brethren. And I feel like we find ourselves in Judas's position where, well, they should do better. They should do this. They should do that. But you don't understand the cost of what they're bringing. You don't understand the cost of what Abel brought. You don't understand the cost of what that woman with the alabaster brought. You know, that that's where we really need to understand that worshiping in spirit and truth it's not giving because that's what you do. It's not sacrificing because it's what you do. It's not worshiping because that's what you do. It's because, and I'll put it this way. We, a couple of weeks ago, we were singing a song and I know that we said worship isn't a song, but we were singing a song and the song's name is don't tell me he can't do it. Right. And one of the families in our church has a, son who's going through cancer and you know he's blessed that he's been able to fight through this and during that song i kind of looked over at her and there's a part of the song i'm sure larry has heard it that it says i've seen cancer be healed or something similar to that and I looked over at her and I was like, what kind of faith it takes to be singing about cancer being removed and your son is standing over there with cancer. What kind of faith does that take? Because I I don't know if I could, I don't know if I could do that. Right. I mean, that that's the kind of faith I feel like Jesus was talking about when he said in spirit and in truth, the truth is that. I think the faith, I think the faith that's in spirit and truth, it it doesn't just stop there though. It also says that he can do it, but if he doesn't, it's okay. Which brings up the three Hebrew boys. Yeah. I, I mean, definitely. I mean, can you imagine like what kind of worship, like what is that saying about their, their dedication to God that they stood in front of that King and they said, God is more than able to save us. But even if he doesn't, we don't care. Throw us in the fire and we will burn up. And that's fine because we know our God is real and we know that he is faithful and we know that he is true. And even if we die for him, that is fine. Exactly. You know, I mean, Paul and Silas is another great example. They're, they're beaten. They, they go to the city knowing that it's going to be bad, but God tells them to go anyway. You know, he like they're literally told prophetically to go. 
they get there and they get beaten illegally that any time during it, they could have said, hey, we're Roman citizens. You can't do this. And yet they let it happen. Yeah. And they're in jail. You know, I, I mean, they're in this dirty cell chained up in jail, beaten and bloody. You know, I, I mean, like just brutal. And they decide that is the moment to sing praise to God, you know? And I, I, I mean, maybe that's why we, we substitute worship. We, we use worship and praise. So together because they are so intertwined, but the difference is that worship is praise that costs you something. Yep. You know, like the thing is, is that there's certain sacrifices that we see in the Old Testament that had very restricted requirements. But I don't see anything in the Old Testament that says you can't build an altar and just burn stuff to God and worship him. Yeah. You know, like the requirements only come in at certain times. You know, and so it's the same way in anything else. Praise is great. Praise is good. And praise can be faked. Yeah. But worship, worship gets right down to it. And worship is when you, it costs. Worship is when it hurts. Worship is when you just want to quit and you get up and you do it anyway. Yeah, I agree. And I, I, I feel like honestly with that, it, we've said what we've had to say about worship. I mean, Jesus said it best. The time is coming and now is that those who worship, that the worship, true worshiper shall arise and now worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Jesus said it best. And I feel like there's so many stories throughout the Bible that could show us, you know, we don't have excuses. You know, uh, there's a reason that there's going to be a cloud of witnesses that there's a reason that there's going to be witnesses in heaven and all those sorts of things because every excuse we have there's probably going to be 10 people that step up and say i have that same excuse and i'm here right and that's not because comparing yourself among yourselves it's saying that worship means something most when it costs you when you have to give up yourself or something to do it to follow god and that's what we kind of just want to encourage you to do today and i know that we went a roundabout way of doing it but we hope that you at least got something out of this because we feel like cain and abel were the benchmark of what it looks like to truly worship and we thank you guys for listening go be true worshipers don't just praise but also sacrifice give yourself to god don't just let your don't just let your soul and your talent stay on a shelf go be a worshiper go go give back to god what he has given you we'll see you guys next week